certain days, but every day, Lord, we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. In Romans chapter 12, uh, a wonderful passage. We're finally in Romans 12. And uh, may be there a while. I don't know how. You know, when you start preparing something, you, you get going on it, and then after a while, you know, you, you're still not finished with, with, a, with a verse, and you've, you've got more than you can say, and that's kind of where all this has led me, and yet we're not, you know, we don't just rush through Scripture to say, oh, we covered so much, or no, we, we, we study it, we read it, we meditate on it, and sometimes it may be a verse, sometimes it may be a passage, sometimes it may be a book, just depends what God's doing in us, but, but uh, it's okay. It's okay to take our time and work through this wonderful book through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Paul wrote. And we saw last week how Paul, after writing these first 11 chapters, at the end of chapter 11, breaks forth with this doxology of praise. And I talked about how are our lives uh, full of doxology and praise. And you know, sometimes that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to do that because of what we're going through, what we're experiencing, life itself, problems. It's hard. But uh, uh, by God's grace, we need to be doing this. And uh, we need to be giving him praise, particularly for his mercy that he has had on us. And we find in uh, uh, verse 32 of chapter 11, uh, Paul says, uh, For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. That is to Gentiles and Jews alike. They've been shown mercy. We've all been shown mercy. And we need to just be praising him for that, that, uh, that mercy. And, and I mean, I could almost just preach another sermon on mercy. It's just such a wonderful topic. I mean, you just can't get enough of it. Uh, uh, and uh, it should just fill us with wonder and awe. But I, I'm thinking of Charles Wesley's hymn, uh, How Can It Be? Uh, and he said, one of the, the phrases says, Tis mercy all, immense and free. And of course, at the end of that, he says, The greatest thing is it found out me. <laughs> and that's what we need to praise him for. It found out me, a wretched lost person like me and this is the greatest thing and so Paul just breaks forth and we won't go through that again take time to do that but but uh, when we read the scriptures uh, if we're a lost person if he hears the scripture or, or he reads the scripture he, himself he'll say well that's nice yeah that's great what's on TV uh, uh, you know what's uh What's on at the movies or something else? But Paul says, whoa, the depths, oh, the depths. And uh, I hope that's our uh, case as well in our own hearts that it means that much to us. Are we moved by it? Have we experienced, really, is what I'm talking about, have you experienced in your inner being the mercy of God? Not that you just don't just know about it and it's in the scripture and, and God is merciful. And, uh, uh, but have you experienced that mercy that it found out me? 
I mean, that's, that's huge. That's huge in our lives. And, uh, and the believer, of course, sees with eyes of faith. And uh, he says, oh, the depths. Oh, the depths. He is stirred and moved by the mercies of God toward him. And this is the way we need to be. And I keep saying that over and over again because I think it's that important. And uh, remember, in, in uh, writing the scripture, there were no chapters. Paul didn't say, now, chapter 3, and chapter 4. It was just one letter. And we need to understand that. There were no headings. It was just a letter. And so Paul is now moving from doctrine, sound doctrine, sound teaching, into living the, the, the Christian life into practicing the Christian life, in doing the Christian life. And, uh, but it's connected, living the Christian life is connected with the first 11 chapters of Romans. We have to understand that, that it, it's not separate. It's not like, okay, I can throw those 11 chapters away now and pick up 12. No, they're connected. It, uh, uh, actually, the first 11 chapters of Romans is what ought to motivate us and what is it that motivates us? Paul tells us very clearly. He says in 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies. By the mercies of God. Whoa, that seems sort of uh, uh, radical, different. But what motivates us? Uh, is, is it fear of hell? You know, is that what motivates you to be a Christian, is that you won't go to hell? Well, that is not a bad motivation. But uh, no, the, what motiv- should motivate us is the mercies of God. It should be his love towards us. The love that he has for us that we have experienced ought to cause us to love other people. And it will if we have experienced it. I think this is what Paul is getting at here. And we're going to talk about his mercy and pity uh, uh, towards us. In other words, Paul is saying here, I believe, uh, build your life on the mercies of God. Be motivated by the mercies of God. He says, I appeal to you. I beseech you. And we find this same uh, word used in the book of Philemon, which is a, a one-chapter book, but uh, a very uh, personal book because it's about uh, Onesimus, and uh, uh, Philemon, Onesimus, was the slave of Philemon. And he says, therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to what? Order you to do what is proper. Yet for love's sake, you know, that's what we're talking about here, for mercy's sake, for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, same Greek word, as Paul says in Romans, I beseech you, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Since I am such a person as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Christ, again he says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, who I have begotten in my uh, imprisonment. And and so we need to be, uh, we need to have a heart like Paul and like Philemon, a heart of compassion and love, be motivated by that. And then you can do this, you know, because, you know, Philemon could have just said, no, uh-uh. He ran away, uh-uh, he's out of here. It's over. But he didn't because of 
his, of the love. And Paul appeals to that love. And so he's appealing now to us. He's appealing on the basis of mercy. Therefore, therefore, he says, uh, he comes to a conclusion. He comes to a conclusion, and that is our actions should be built on Romans 1 through 11, which is the foundation or the root, if you might want to call it that, because of the mercies of God that you've experienced. Okay? Because of the mercies of God that you have, uh, that has affected your life, that is changing your life, that is uh, part of your life, he says he's appealing on that on that basis, and uh, uh, we're going to move ahead. He says now and do Romans uh, twelve through sixteen, and uh, God's been faithful to His promises uh, to the Jews and the Gentiles. Therefore, He says I am going to move out and do Romans twelve uh, through sixteen. So don't miss the therefore, and why it is therefore. Uh, there is truth in Romans 1 through 11 to be believed. Therefore, live out your lives this way by the mercies of God. I just keep saying it the same thing in different ways and because uh, it's that important for us to understand that. Remembering also 1136 at the same time in Romans, which says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. And we need to keep that in mind as well. Do all things to the glory of God. Uh, live a life that shows the mercies of God shown to you. And our lives must be built on the mercies of God. How many different ways can I say that, you think? Did you get it? <laughs> and then uh, somebody will come up and say, no, I just got to try harder. And then you go, oh, no, they missed it. No, it's not trying harder. It's believing more. Believing what's true about you, that God has had mercy on you, and living out of that faith. Living out of that faith that is true. And so Paul is now moving from doctrine, what God has done, to uh, uh, application or practice, what we do now, which should be based on God's mercies. You know, in raising children, we've all, a lot of us have raised children, and you know, the kids, we tell you, our kids, you, you must obey me. You must obey me. And, uh, and they'll say, yeah, yeah, uh, why? Uh, maybe, you know, maybe they never asked you that, but, uh, and then you say, uh, just do it, because I said to. Okay? which is really kind of harsh, and it's just kind of an easy way out of really telling them why they should do that. But you know what you can tell them? By the mercies of God. And they'll look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> like most of you are doing right now, you know. <laughs> Live out of the mercies of God. Huh? Huh? You know, but this is what, what we're, we're told to do. Live out of the mercies of God. We see in chapter 12 all the mercy that will flow out of us built on the mercies of God. Notice, let's, let's just look ahead now in 12, uh, not getting too far ahead. Uh, it says, contributing, verse 13, for instance, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. That's mercy. See what I'm saying? That's showing mercy. Uh, bless those who persecute you. 
Bless and do not curse. That's mercy. You see what I'm saying? That's living out of mercy because of what's been... Rejoice with those that rejoice. Weep with those re, uh, that, that uh, weep. That's mercy. And then, of course, we're on down we could go through a lot more, but he says in verse 20, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Now that is mercy. <laughs> that is mercy to feed your enemy. And uh, so this is uh, uh, really radical. Radical, radical, radical. Radical living. Radical living based on the mercies of God. Why? Because it glorifies God. Living by the mercies of Glorifying God, how do I know that? Romans 15 and verse 9, it says, For the Gentiles to glorify God for His mercy. It says it right there, Romans 15, 9. And for the Gentiles to glorify God for His mercy. Why do you glorify God? For His mercy. That's what motivates you. That's what enables you to live the Christian life. enables me is just remembering the mercy of God towards me. Before I get angry and yell and scream at my wife, I'll think, now wait a minute, what about the mercy that's been shown to me? God could just bash me right now, and I would deserve it. But in remembering the mercy of God that he has towards me, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You see, that's radical. We're to love them that way. But you see, that's mercy. That's pity. That's loving. That's not the world. It's the opposite of the world and the way the world is. So this is radical. This is, this is living out of the, the mercies of God. And it's, uh, it's extremely important. And we need to show our children. And I'm afraid I didn't do this very well growing when they were growing up. But we need to show our children by our lives... Uh, that we're satisfied in Christ. That Christ is, uh, means more to me than anything that I can own, any vacation that I can go on, uh, anything at all. We must live out of the gospel and reflect that in our lives because it's true of us and we're experiencing that. It's not that you just fake it to make it. It's not you do it because if you do this, they'll turn out right. No, you do it because you've experienced this. That's what Paul did with Philemon. He knew Philemon had experienced the love of Christ and he had confidence that Paul, that, that Philemon would, would have Onesimus back. Why? Because of the change that had taken in his place in his life. And uh, that's how we ought to live amongst each other. And uh, out of mercy, out of mercy. You know, in Romans uh, 1.16, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. Let's go back all the way to Romans 1. He's, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power of God for salvation. And not just to be saved, to go to heaven. But he said, all of life. It's for, it's the, for the salvation of life and living life. It's the power to do that is believing the gospel. It's believing the gospel. 
trouble is, our faith is, you know, small. You know, in Romans 5, uh, going to Romans 5, 6 through 8, it's uh, uh, pretty uh, self-explanatory as well, but we see the mercy there. He says, for while we were helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's mercy. You understand that's mercy, that's grace. And uh, we're to demonstrate that same love and that same mercy towards other people. Wow, this is, this is huge. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful truth that Paul is bringing out here. And uh, we can forgive and have pity um, to each other. And, uh, and then he says, we're to also present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable uh, spiritual worship. You know, worship is something that uh, we do, but when do we do it? When do we worship? All the time? All day long? You see, we come, you don't come once a week to worship God here for an hour or you come to Sunday school two hours or whatever no all of life is worship all of life everything we do is worship and uh, it's so important that we uh, uh, it's the center of everything that we do it's the center and in order to worship correctly we've got to understand God and who he is, and, and we have to understand ourselves. And we need to have a growing vision of the greatness of God as well. And as we grow in our understanding of the greatness of God, we, we saw that series, Gripped by the Greatness of God, Amen. then what do we do? We begin to worship better. See, worship is going to improve for all eternity. Why? Because we'll be learning more and more about God throughout all eternity. And so we'll be worshiping God for all eternity better and better and better and better. And He's infinite. So no matter how much you learn about Him, there's an infinite amount of things to learn about Him. And so worship will go on for eternity as we uh, learn the greatness of God. And this is what Paul is driving at. This is a heart thing. This is a life of worship. All of life is worship. It's about worship. It's for worship. It's about Him, as I keep saying all the time. It's about Him, not about me. Listen to uh, the definition, which is really worship is worth, W-O-R-W-O-R-T-H, worth-ship. Worth-ship. And... uh, Revelation, I didn't put these up because uh, I found them after it was done, but Revelation 4.11 says, uh, Oh, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Also, Revelation 5.12 says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Man is not worthy of worship. People worship men and women and 
uh, for what they do and who they are. But only God is worthy of our worship. Someone said, what a person worships is a good indication of what is really valuable to him. How much do you worship God? I'm asking myself that. How much do I worship God? Spend the day just praising him for who he is. Not what I can get out of him, but just for who he is. That's kind of convicting when uh, it is for me in my life because I know how much of my life every day is spent in really worshiping God. And uh, our bodies are included in this. We'll see uh, at some point. But um, it involves our attitudes towards God. Do we reverence Him? Do we bow in awe before Him? And it also involves our actions toward Him. Do we praise Him? Do we serve Him? Is it all about Him? This is all involved in, the, in this idea of uh, worship. One lady wrote, about worship, she says, it's the total adoring response of man to the one eternal God. She says, it is the total adoring response. And that's true, isn't it? It's our total adoring of who God is because He is worthy. And so we come and we start singing about God and praising God. We're saying, you are worthy, O oh God, to receive our praise. And our... Do we do that with our heart? Is there any heart there when we do that to you? Does it bring tears to your eyes? Do you experience the mercies? of? This is real. It's that important in life. Or do we just come and say, well, you know, boy, I hope he doesn't preach long today and I've got to get home to lunch or... Think about that. Think about it. Because I'm guilty of it too. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we need to show uh, God's worth. We need to show He is worthy. And we need to totally adore who He is. It needs to be personal. It needs to be passionate. Personal and passionate. It's okay to get excited about God. It really is. I mean, you know, you, you don't have to sit on your hands. You know, if you feel like raising your hand to God, that's okay, as long as it's coming from here. Now, if you're doing it to be seen of men, that's something else. But if you all of a sudden just, you just want to, and I've done that, benedictions, and I just, and I'll find myself, that's okay, as long as it's coming from a heart of praise and glory for who he, it's okay. We do it in football games. What do we value most? Is it starting to hit home? Have I gotten any toes yet? Because you're going to be doing this throughout eternity. I don't believe there are going to be football games in heaven. <laughs> See some tears out there. You know. Life without football. Imagine. This is why Paul, by the mercies of God, be moved because he is valuable. He is our treasure. So what does he mean? A lifestyle of worship? A lifestyle where to worship him, uh, offer our bodies as 
sacrifices? Are you kidding? Offer our bodies as sacrifices? Well, wait a minute. Aren't sacrifices supposed to be perfect? What about our bodies? Offer your bodies. You know, I had to really think about this because, you know, I know my body. You know, and some of them, I'm not looking, you know, some of us are losing our hair and something, you know, we're overweight and, okay? But it's not about that. So yes, it's not what he's, offer your bodies. Yeah, in the Old Testament, you had to have a, a sacrifice without spot or wrinkle. But, uh, but remember, when we offer our bodies for one thing, it's not for taking away of sin. Hebrews 10.4, For it is impossible for the blood of goats uh, and bulls to take away our sins. He says, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Isn't that good news? That is to me, that's, that's, uh, that's about as good as it gets. And uh, uh, So presenting our bodies as a sacrifice atones for nothing. It merits you nothing in the eyes of God. Uh, you, you cannot be uh, saved by your offering your body. Uh, you cannot add to what Christ has already completed. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That means he, he paid for it all. Amen. And uh, we're saved because of, of the blood of Christ that cleanses us. But God wants our bodies to do acts of mercy. He wants our bodies to do acts of mercy that flow out of mercy. Amen. See what I'm saying? That's, that's the key here is the motivation behind what we do. We don't offer our bodies to be saved. Jesus has done that. It atones for nothing. But he uh, wants us to do acts uh, of mercy, which means he wants us to go places uh, where acts of mercy are needed. It may be to the mission field. You know, it may be to the neighbor next door who's sick and you need to take her a cake or, or something else. It's doing little acts, what we would call little acts of mercy, but they're not little to God. They're important to God. Uh, but the point is, God wants your body. Some people have said, well, he can have my soul, but my body is mine. You know, I'm going to do with my body just what I want to do. But that is not the case. That's not what Paul is. No, your body belongs to God as well as your soul. And we're going to see... Uh, next week in verse 2, God willing, uh, what that's all about. But, uh, yeah, our bodies are flawed, aren't they? Is your body flawed? Mine is, mine is getting more and more flawed <laughs> all the time. More aches and pains, B.O., uh, bad heart, uh, overweight, wrinkled, uh, lazy, uh, weak. Help me out. Uh, <laughs> do we need to go any further? No. But Christ was the perfect sacrifice for sin. And he can use us just the way we are. Thank you. 
He can use you just the way you are. You don't have to get it all together. You don't have to start lifting weights and, and become Mr. Clean before he can use you. Thank God for that. But why, did, why does he accept us as the way we are? 1 Peter 2, 5, For also as living stones and being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Notice, they're acceptable to God. Now, why are they acceptable to God? It tells us at the end. What does it say? That's why God accepts your body the way it is. Because it's through Christ that you're accepted. I'm glad of that. I mean, I... Because <laughs> I know uh, our bodies are not significant because of the way it looks, but because of the way it acts. Did you hear that? Our bodies are not accepted because of the way they look, they're accepted because of the way they act. Acts of mercy. Acting like Christ. Doing what... This is what he's going to say in Romans 12. He's saying, you have, been, you have received mercy, therefore do acts of mercy that flow out of the mercy that you've experienced. And you will if you've experienced mercy. I believe that. To, to, uh, to greater or lesser degree. You know... Uh, you. I found this, but when was Christ most beautiful? When was Christ most beautiful? When he was most repulsive to look at. You ever thought about that? When was Christ most beautiful? When he was most repulsive to look at on the cross. Think about that. That's, that's huge. That's huge. How do I know that? You know, Christ, if, and I've said this before, he grew up, it says Isaiah 53, 2 and 3, it says, for he grew up, that is Christ, before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of a parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that you should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief and... and whom hit men hid their face, he was despised, and so forth. You know, I think uh, if Christ, if we could see a literal, physical Christ, if we had a picture, which God did not allow to happen, which I'm glad, but I don't think he would have been uh, eight feet tall, blonde hair, uh, rippled with muscles. I think he would have probably stood about this tall, and he would have been someone that if you would have seen, you would have said, that can't be the Christ. How do I know that? When the disciples, remember when they came to get Jesus, they didn't know who he was. They could not pick him out of the other disciples. said, Judas, you must kiss him on the cheek so we'll know, make sure we get the right one. He was not, he was not a, a, a strong, a physical strong, or he was not a sissy, but I don't think he was a, uh, uh, and of course David was the same way he was the youngest and so forth you go back in scripture Samson I don't think Samson had rippled muscles why 
Because if it had big muscles, they'd have said, there's his strength. But they didn't know where he got his strength from, you see. And so, uh, Christ is not concerned that you're muscle-bound. He is concerned, and this is going to end it, he is concerned that you're mercy-bound. Do you get it? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning that uh, your word is truth. And as Lord, as we're looking into your word, help us to rightly interpret it. Help me to, to see clearly what you're trying to teach us. Lord, I thank you for the mercies of God towards me. Help me to be mercy-bound and not worrying about the physical muscle-bound Because, Lord, you use the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. You can use us just the way we are. And I thank you. Through Christ, we can come just as I am. And so, Lord, teach us and work in us. Help us this, this whole week just to be thinking of your mercy that you had towards us. And through that power, the power of the gospel, through the truth of the gospel, we would reach out to others who need to be pitied, others who need uh, the gospel as well in their lives. Lord, give us grace to do this. Give me grace. In Jesus' precious name, amen.